Hello, Thrive Church family. Um, it's a joy to be here, and I'm so glad that you're joining us today. Just an update on Pastors Barry and Megan and their family. They're all well. Megan has tested negative, and COVID has left the house. Thank you, Jesus. And Pastor Barry will be back with us next week in service. So uh, thank you for your prayers for our pastors. And then I also want to ask you to continue to pray for Pastor Kelly Fellows, who's from the Foursquare Church in Brea and uh, is still on a ventilator and needs our prayers um, and also for his family. So thank you for praying for him, too. It's my honor to bring the message today. And God has been stirring in my heart these past couple of weeks about eyes. <laughs> yes, eyes, seeing, gazing, watching. And so I did a little research on the eye. So when we look at an object or an image, light reflects off of that image or that object, and it comes through our uh, eyes, but it comes through the cornea, and then it comes through, there's all kinds of things, the pupil, the lens, the iris, and, uh, and then through this, you can tell you have this gel-like substance in your eyes, and uh, it's, I don't know the name of it. It starts with a V, Vertrius, or something like that. And then it goes through to the retina in the back of your eye where there's rods and cones that tell you the shape and the images of uh, the shapes and the color of what the image is. And then it goes through these little photoreceptors, these little light um, images, images or impulses that go up, and it goes to your brain, and then it kind of tells you what the image is. Uh, it turns that those information into the picture. And I'm like, whew, man, that's a lot of stuff just to be able to see. And it and it's amazes me the intricacies of God's design in our body. And that's just the eye, the size of a ping pong ball. And I'm like, wow, Lord, you know, sometimes my eyes don't see so well. And so I know I have to wear glasses. So for me, if I, I can't see far, I'm nearsighted, so I need glasses to see far, but I also need glasses so that I can see near. And so, uh, you know, you need bifocals. Well, mine are what's called progressive, and when I put them on, if I look up above, I can see far, but if I look down below and need to read, I can see near, and my eyes need to adjust so that my vision can see clearly. So I have to adjust my vision. That's the physical eye. And I was thinking, you know, Lord, we also see with the spiritual eye, the eyes of our heart. And I was thinking if the light comes into the physical eye to cast off an image, light comes into our spiritual eyes because who's the light? God is light. It says in John, uh, I believe it's 1 John 1, 5 says, God is light. And then in him, there is no darkness at all. In fact, Jesus even said in John 8, he said, I am the light of the world. So he comes in and his ways, his thoughts are reflected to our heart and to our mind. So when I'm reading his word and I'm looking with my spiritual eyes, I can see God's light comes in and he gives me his thoughts. He gives me his eyes to see and then that's where something changes within me. 
So I'm like, and, and even Jesus said in Matthew, Matthew 3, he says, blessed are your eyes because you see. And I'm thinking, I don't know if that's physical eyes or spiritual eyes, but I believe it's probably spiritual eyes because you're seeing things that God wants you to see. Now, the reason that I've been contemplating eyes and sight is from our journal reading uh, about a week and a half ago, I was going through, and the, and the first day I was reading, it was Hebrews 12. And it says this. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. I'm thinking, man, it really does. The sin easily entangles sometimes. But let us throw it off. Let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. As I'm reading, I read through the whole thing, and, and as I'm reading, well, let me finish it. It says, Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So as I'm reading it, and you read it two or three times, the second time as I'm reading it, fix our eyes on Jesus just was like capitalized. And I thought, yes, that's what I need to do. I need to fix my eyes on Jesus. When I fix, when I gaze, when I look intently, that is, that is where things just like come together. And I thought of two experiences or two examples of when I remember my eyes fixing on something. One was actually pretty recently. It was last year we were in Israel and we were at the springs of En Gedi and, uh, and they said, hey, we're going to walk up to David's waterfall. And I remember looking at Pastor and I thought, okay, is this like a really long hike to go up there or can I make it? And he, he contemplates for a little bit and he goes, uh, yeah. I believe you can do it, and I'll help you. And I thought, I looked at my husband, and I thought, we're going to do this. How many times do I go to Israel? <laughs> my lifetime, hopefully another time, but, but we're going to take this experience. The reason I asked is because I have arthritis in my knees, and my, uh, it's very difficult for me. I'm not, it's not easy for me to go up places or to go down, but this was going to be, I felt, if pastor said it was worth it, then I believe it. So we started to walk up and continue to walk up. I found out it was probably supposed to be like a 30-minute hike. I think it took us a little longer. Everybody passed us, got up there a little bit sooner, and, and uh, we finally made it up there. And everybody's turning around and coming back, and I'm thinking, oh, no, we just got up here. But, man, was it a sight to see. The waterfalls, the spring, I remember taking off my floppy hat and just putting it in the water because it was hot, sticking it on me. And I was thankful the tour guide stayed. We missed most of his spiel, but he did say, hey, there's one thing I want you to see. If you, if you look at this waterfall, we were looking at David's water, if you look at it and you just gaze in there, if you fix your eyes on it, just look at it. And then when I tell you I want you to look to the side, on the side of the rock, and, and I want you to see what happens. So I'm gazing my eyes. I'm looking at the waterfall. And then he says, okay, now. And I look to, to the side. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. I saw, like, the water going up. 
And I'm thinking, how did that happen? It was just so amazing. I saw something that I would not have seen if my eyes were not first fixed on the waterfall. And I was like, that, that just like was, that was worth that hike going up there to see something that I would not have seen if my eyes weren't fixed on it first. Another example comes from, uh, some of you may remember in the, um, I guess it was like 20, 25 years ago, Tom and I, uh, uh, you'll remember the 3D pictures is what I'm talking about. Tom and I got this 3D picture, and it had like different colors in it, and it was a picture of a scene of of an island set. and, And as you focused on what's supposed to be the water, but as you intently look in it, and you kind of just let your eyes focus, all of a sudden, you would see something in the water. Actually, dolphins appeared in the water. And I'm like, how does this happen? I don't know the concept. I don't, but it was amazing. You steer in, and you fix your eyes, and you look, and then all of a sudden, they appear, which they would not have appeared if I didn't intently look at them. My eyes needed to adjust apparently, for it to come out. Just like sometimes I need to adjust my spiritual eyes in order to see and ask God to point that out. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, we'll see something that we wouldn't have seen if our eyes weren't fixed on him in the first place. It reminded me of the story of uh, Jesus and Peter in Mark 6 and also in Matthew 14, it was just after the feeding of the 5,000. And Jesus said, actually, it says that Jesus made his disciples go in the boat to go across the lake, and he finished dismissing the people. And then he went up to pray. And Mark 6:48 says he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them walking on the lake. Now, I'm going to pick it up in Matthew 14, which also says about the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them walking on the lake. I thought, Lord, what's the fourth watch of the night? Well, as I looked it up, there are four watches of the night. The first one is like from six to nine. The second one is nine to midnight. The third one's midnight to three. And the um, last one is about three to six in the morning. So somewhere between three and six in the morning was when he went out. It says he went out to them walking on the lake. (laughs) When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said, take courage. It's I. Don't be afraid. And Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come and walk on the water. Tell me to come with you on the water. And Jesus says, come. So Peter gets out of the boat, and he walked on the water, and he came toward Jesus. Okay, I'm going to stop right there for a second because we already know it's windy. We already know the winds and the waves were coming because it said previously they're straining at the oars to, to row their boat. So if they're straining, we know that the wind is. It's not a surprise. But in verse 30 it says, 
But when he, Peter, when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And, he, and, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And I'm thinking, if you weren't looking at the wind, if you already didn't know and you get out of the boat, what were you looking at then? He had to be looking at Jesus. So from my understanding is, is, is when eyes are on Jesus, things seem a little easier. For me, it is. When eyes are on Jesus, things are easier. Because if I look at the winds and I look at the waves and all of that stuff, it's frightening. So he cried out, Lord, save me. Some of you may be, may be crying out that right now. Lord, save me. The storms of life around you might be dark. They might be swirling. They might be seeming out of control. And you're like, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And he said, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Now, see, the way I read it and the way I know it goes in my head, this is how I see Jesus saying it. Jesus reaches out his hand and says, Oh, mijo, why is your face so small? Why are you doubting? Don't you trust me? Don't you know that I have the answer? Don't you know I'll, I'll take care of you? Now, that's how I see it. Now, I know he probably didn't say mijo because Jesus wasn't Mexican, but hey, <laughs> I see Jesus as compassionate towards us. He wants us to trust in him, to know him. And his character. He wants us to change our doubt to belief. He wants us to change our trust in him through the storms and through the trials. Jesus wants that for you. It says, when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. I think of that's because that's when Jesus was with them. There was calmness. There was peace. Jesus will still do for you what he did for Peter. You saw a picture where Jesus is reaching out his hand. This picture I saw at Costco, actually, and and it, it took my breath away because when I saw it, it's like Jesus is, is just reaching with that smiling face, like face and, and like to have faith in him, come, I'll pull you out of that water when you feel like you're drowning. When we look at Jesus, when those winds are rising, when it's hard to row the streams of life, when the storms come in, and he'll pull us out, And he sits with us. And there's peace. When we were in Israel, we were on the Sea of Galilee. And I remember our our supervisor, our district supervisor, Pastor uh, Fernando Castillo, had said this. He says, every storm has an expiration date. And I thought, that's right. Not all the storms are going to last. Well, I, we don't know a storm that continues to go and go and go and go. There is a time when it's going to pass. It's not going to last. 
Know the storm you are in has its expiration date. It is not going to last, but keep your eyes on Jesus. Reach out and pull his hand. Fix our eyes on Jesus. Let's go back to Hebrews 12. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. When I was reading this and I got to that part, who for the joy set before him, I was like, what? I know who that joy is. I know who the joy is set before him. It's us. He endured the cross because he was looking at us. He was looking at those he was going to redeem. He was looking at his joy, at his bride, the bride of Christ. We were set before him. We are his joy. He redeemed us to have relationship with him so that we would be reconnected with him and God the Father. He looked at us. Enduring the cross, scorning its shame, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. Like he looked at us for joy, and we look at him, we fix our eyes on him. I was like, oh my goodness, I look at you, you were looking at me. And my response, I want to share with you during my journal time. I wrote in a prayer, Lord, it was the joy. It was us set before you, that you endured the cross. You did it for us, seeing us, fixing your eyes on us as the joy that you withstood the shame, the pain. How much more our eyes need to be fixed on you to run the race, to not grow weary and lose heart. It is where... We fix our eyes as to whether the race is won or lost. And I said, may I always fix my eyes on you because you are the author and the perfecter of my faith. In the journal reading the next day, I saw that King David kept his eyes on the Lord or gazed upon the Lord. It was in Psalm 25, verse 15 to 21. He says, My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will release my feet from the snare. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have multiplied. Free me from my anguish. Look upon my affliction and my distress and take away all my sins. See how my enemies have increased and how fiercely they hate me. Guard my life and rescue me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness protect me, because my hope is in you. David seemed to be having a storm in his life also. Amidst loneliness, affliction, troubles, distress, facing enemies, hatred. But his eyes are on the Lord. His eyes are ever on the Lord. He hoped in him. He knew God's character. David saw different, I believe, than everyone else because he was a man after God's own heart. And I thought that's the key. We need to see different than the culture sees. It made me think of the first Christians. 
they lived in a brutal culture. There was massive division between the elite and the slaves. People were treated as objects, and basically just to serve the Roman Empire. But the first Christians lived counter to the culture they were in. In a culture that was pretty much every man for himself, where everyone had their own interests that they were attending to, there was selfishness, yet the followers of Jesus were warm, inviting, kind, generous, personal. They lived differently than everyone else around them. They set themselves apart from everyone else in an attractive way by following Jesus' teachings. They were selfless. They knew their love for one another and for others. They took Jesus' words seriously. The culture had inequality, yet the Christians held in their community with equal standing. The slave and the wealthy, they were of the same importance. They were a person who needed to know Jesus. They watched out for each other compared to the anxiety of everyone else fending for themselves. They had a mutual support system. Interesting, the first Christians differentiated from the culture. Hmm. Do we do that now or do we blend in? We need to see different than our culture sees and then be different. We need to see different and be different. Reminded me of Ephesians 4.32 where it says, Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ forgave you. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus or be like King David where our eyes are ever on the Lord. And as our eyes are on him, God's eyes are on us. So the next day, Psalms 121 in my journal, I'm like, wow, fix your eyes. My eyes are ever on the Lord. And Psalm 121 says, I lift my eyes up to the heels. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. I was like, God, you are our watchman. Five of those eight verses have watch in it. And I thought a watchman is the one who is on the lookout, who's guarding and defending and then I looked up the definition. I was like, a person who guards or patrols the streets at night or one who keeps guard over a building at night to protect it. He's like a sentinel. He keeps watch. God is watching over you, my dear friends. He sees you. 
He guards you. He defends you. He has his eyes on you. I want to close with um, some lyrics from a song by Danny Gokey. As I was preparing this message, this song came on, and all I could do was sit there and listen. I know God's watching over me. I know God's watching over you. But I believe this is for someone listening, and I want you to hear God speaking to you. Danny Gokey's song goes like this. I was there the moment that it happened, but you couldn't see me through the pain. I caught every tear as they were falling when you lost your heart that day. And now you only see through broken lenses, trying to keep your head above the shame. You believe the lie that I am distant, but I hold you every day. If you could see it through my eyes, you'd know that you are wanted. And if you'd let my love inside, I'll show you that you're wanted. You're more than all your darkest moments. You are defined by what I see. You're my reflection. You're my treasure. You're my heartbeat. Oh, child, you belong to me. Because if you could see it through my eyes, you know that you are wanted. Not rejected, not unwelcome. You're wanted. Not abandoned, not forgotten. You're wanted. I am right here in this moment, and I'm singing over you. If you could see it through my eyes, I'll show you that you are wanted. My friend, God sees you. He wants you. He loves you. And if you feel God tugging at your heart, he is reaching out for you. And all you need to do is raise your hand and reach up to him and grab his hand and let him lift you up. He sees you. He's there in the midst of the storm to hold you and to be there for you, to lift you up from drowning. And if that's you, and you need to be lifted up from drowning, I want to pray over you right now. That you would see that God is there for you. That your eyes would be open to know that he is watching over you. That he loves you. That he cares for you. That he wants you to be lifted out and to sit with him. And I speak peace over you in the name of Jesus. If you don't know the Lord, if you don't know his character or his ways or his love, then I invite you to ask him to come into your life today. And I ask that you would just pray with me. Father God, you love me. Your son endured the cross because of me, because of my wrongdoings. But yet I was the joy set before him. 
Forgive me, God. Come into my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that, <laughs> there is a rejoicing going on for you. And God is just singing over you. He rejoices over you. He loves you. God bless you this week. Know that he is your watchman. He rejoices you over you with singing and he loves you. Keep your eyes fixed on him and know that he has his eyes fixed on you. Have a blessed week. <laughs>